1: Rich Schmidt, here with Channing Fry, David Gray, and Chase Renton. We're at Longville Estates, Uber. It's uh, January 26th, 2021. Thank you all so much for joining us today and for hosting us this beautiful spot. First question for you, and whoever wants to start, can start. Why wine?
2: We'll start that way. Yeah? You have the longest Uh, wine story. uh, Yeah, the longest. Uh, Wine is, uh, first off, it's a passion. Um, It became a passion early in my life Um, when I was in college, even before college, seeing it on a table uh, with my family and friends all around growing up, um, meals, entertainment, parties, something you share, something you gather around, um, something you can look back on as history. Um, So for me, it was always around Um, and then I just so happened to stumble into the wine industry and study, and then become a winemaker and just follow this passion that is is a job, but first and foremost, it's a passion. And uh, followed that and took me on a a journey um, all over the world, which was very fortunate to do. And then fortunate enough to settle down here, roots in Oregon um, and start Longolo and then other projects have formed out of that as well, within the wine industry.
3: It's almost like, why not wine? Um, Yeah, similar story. Chase and I didn't didn't even grow up that far from each other, and I think we both had parents that loved wine, and especially when they had dinner with friends, they loved to share wine with the people that were around them. Um, even had family friends that were winemakers. So I grew up in Davis, California. Knapp and Sonoma weren't that far. I wouldn't say I was in a wine family though in the sense that I knew I'd ever work in it. I was definitely drinking cheap beer until I was old enough and had enough money to understand that wine meant something to me. Um, and then I was in the movie business for a while. And a lot of the movie business part that I was in was relation, relationship-based and creating relationships. And as one of my producing partners would say, like our job was a 10-year dinner party. And I think if you know anything about a great dinner party, you probably wanna have some great wines at that table. And I think wine is a connector. It's something that creates conversation, lends to conversation, and then when you start falling in love with the product itself, it takes you all over the globe. Thankfully, a lot of the best wines are grown in the prettiest places by some of the most amazing individuals and tribes and people. So I think the more I learned about it, the more I became fascinated about it, the more I found that it was like part of my truth. It was something that came very like natural and authentic to maybe my personality and who I as and who I am. Um, And then I think it's just been a big part of uh, Getting to share it with the people I love the most. So if you fall in love with something and you're passionate about something and you believe in something, you usually want to share that with the people that you love the most. And I think when you get into this story as you are, you'll see that those three things kind of lend this up to yourself to why we're sitting here. Honestly, his wine story helped start my wine story, who he probably helped start his wine story. Like we all are interconnected. And I don't think if Chase didn't like literally pursue his dreams and sure timing and things lead us to becoming friends and all that, but. I've had the opportunity and the privilege to kind of participate in Chase's dream and opportunity and then those things have sprung all these other things that have happened so it's been really cool to watch happen and why not wine? Wine's a pretty incredible thing.
4: I mean I didn't grow up around wine. Wine was like the thing on top of the fridge that you would get like once a year. Uh, My parents were big on like martinis and fuck. I mean. Drinks like, you know, they wanted to you know have a good time when they did you know They didn't drink often, but when they did it wasn't wine, you know, so for me um, Going to the NBA going to dinner you order a wine based on like you ask the sommeliers Hey, I'm having this, you know steak rib. I what you know, but you don't know what it is And so as I got older the more I became friends and closer to Jake The more he was like hey try this or try that and then when he End up working here right and, and help build this then my mind started to explode right i was always into the wine tasting scene right because i've never had a bad time at wine tasting it's impossible i've been no offense i have my own beer we can go beer tasting and guys get grouchy or sleepy or whatever and then we can go i've been tasting of whiskey tequila gin and then people go left and right, right? You either get way off kilter or you don't, but wine tasting, everyone is allowed to go as fast, as slow as you want to, and your opinion is absolutely right, no matter how different it is from the next person. And so I think to me, that's what originally got me to it was, I can invite people from all walks of life. You come here, we have a picnic blanket, you get some wine, you like it, you you do, you don't, but you're still enjoying this, this place, this moment, and you're talking to each other and the vibe is right and the experience is memorable. And so uh, to have the opportunity to work with these guys wasn't like, oh, I want to do this. It was like, well, let's talk about what we all want. And it was like, literally like a puzzle came together. And the fact that we have different perspective made me even more excited, right? Because I'm, he lives it every day. Now we all live it every day now. but he's literally this is his thing he works here so this is also his thing but for me i we all have other things that we do but this brings us together and we put so much passion behind it to me it's been fun it's been exciting it's been evolving and new and that's just kind of my attitude when towards you one
3: say you started really drinking wine?
4: i looked i actually looked okay. i got i, I went into My house, uh, the other day found an old computer and I have a picture of me showing somebody a bottle of wine from 2012. Now could I tell you what that bottle was? Hell no.
3: You know how fast he got drank? Oh.
4: When did you marry Lauren? 2010. You have that picture of your house the other day, the the bottle, the Barolo. So the first year anniversary, I have anniversary, is was a 2000, 2000 yeah, 2000. a 2000 Barolo. Barolo Cork. So I was drinking good wine, I just didn't know I was drinking good wine. And then now it's like, right, because I could pay for it, but that's, whether, I mean, that's just the facts. Now it's like, they could say, hey, people go, oh my God, Channing, you had so much wine. But then they'd be like, do you remember our first one? I'd be like, oh yeah, the first one, I didn't like too much, too much oak. And and that's when it clicked. When I started to remember bottles and situations from friends, I know you like this, I know you love this. I'd love to introduce you to this. That's when I started, and the more that I felt like I know about wine, the more I realized I don't know anything about wine, which makes me want to know even more. I could read books, I could watch shows, I could drink the wine, which is my favorite part. But like, I don't know, I can't, I can't learn enough. And um, I've really just been diving into the valley a lot. Uh, There's so many good producers here, and I think if Chase wasn't who he was, I don't know if I would've been as passionate, because when he, I was in Orlando, and he, or first we had a rosé, which is, you know, sneaky, sneaky, and then we had the pinot, and I said, what is this? I said I don't drink no Pinot no more. He had blew into the Valley. I had not bought in. I was big calves and you know Bordeaux, and not that those are bad, but I'm saying, but he gave me that Pinot and I said, Hey yo. <laughs> yo, boom, big light goes off. And it was amazing. And ever since then, like I've been putting long low on everybody. Like this helped me understand the new generation the new style of like what we would want as you know 45 50 and under right it's not just your regular parents Pinot or Merlot or Syrah or Riesling like new people are challenging your understanding of what wine is supposed to taste like but also give them respect to like traditional methods and and things that have inspired them.
3: Yeah, there's definitely, I think to his point, there's a misconception sometimes about Pinot Noir, especially if you're maybe in the beginning blocks of of wine drinking. If you haven't had a great Pinot Noir and you have a not great Pinot Noir, and it's flat and it's not a lot of body and it has these things. If you don't know wine well, that might not turn you on to that varietal. And I think for Chan it was kind of like, all right, and and this is a non-Burgundy story, right? This is an American New World story. So it's kind of like, well, if I like Napa Cab and this is what I'm told to drink with a steak, what are these other wines like and why would I spend time or money investing in them? But I think, even, I think even before I worked here, when him and Lauren, his wife, would... So Channing lives in Portland if he's not playing basketball per se. They've raised their kids here. He's always had a home here since he's been a Portland Trailblazer. And I think I can almost probably, if, if the texts were there, I could align where the day he landed from when the offseason started to a week or two later, we're probably wine tasting. Right? Oh, for so sure. what else are we, like, there's not many better activities to do where you can catch up, have a lot of fun, explore the natural beauty of this place, and also fall in love with the product and the people behind it. So I think that the journey's been building and been happening for a long period of time. And I think obviously Chase <laughs> hyper speeded a lot of that. Oh, for hyperspeeded. Us. And then uh, one of the things he's touching on too is, uh, he, he's been, a, Channing's been around through friendship since we've gotten to start this project. And when you see a wine project get started, there's not a lot of wine at first. And when's the next wine coming? And what are these things you're doing? And then in that course, we also, the three of us, have had the opportunity to throw, Chase is a cancer survivor. We all have touch points in our lives as he spoke to outside of wine that kind of go like this. Some of those are giving back. Some of those are cancer. Some of these, there's food, you know, all these things. And we've done a dinner twice now that give joy, get joy dinner for in, um, for the Children's Cancer Association. And for that, we made one-off bottles of Magnums for every participant. And Channing would get to get in the winery with Chase and make those wines per se, right? Go through the blends, talk about them. And it, although there were 50 Magnums that no one else in the world has other than the people that came to that dinner, I think it kind of set the tone for comfortability, conversations, and the ability to like, ask critical questions, but also us watch how passionate Channing was to, because a lot of people love the end product, right? It's like, oh, a bottle of wine, it's sexy. Or something, a bottle of beer, I can give it to someone I can say it's mine. But when you know grape farming and you know all the work that these guys put into to make wine, it's a lot of work. And there's a lot of time and energy that goes into that one bottle of wine or that one vintage. So I think getting to see him fall in love with the process and fall in love with wine, I think it's reinvigorated us, but it's also made this Project Chosen Family that much more real, like we're, we're all kind of getting driven off of each other's passions for what we're up to, and we all bring different things to, to it, but we're all like pretty stoked to yeah. be doing it and, and, and watching each other do it. Like honestly, I, it makes it so, I'm a pretty passionate, loud, vocal person, and I will wear my emotions on my sleeve, but watching the people I love get excited about something, it doesn't get much better for me. So to watch Chase get to do his thing and be in his pocket and be falling in love with it and having the opportunity to do a lot of different things, Watching Channing get to do this, so for me, sitting in the middle of these two men talking about that, as their friend and as their business partner, it's been awesome. I find a lot of joy in
4: that. It's, it's been, like I ISM, to me, I seem like I'm asking the dumbest questions, but I'm so curious because is their realm of wine people are, I would say, the upper echelon, and then my realm of wine people would be the lower echelon, like, okay, but not, not in a sense Consumers. of knowledge. <laughs> sure. They're like, Channing, is this wine good? I'm like, I've never, how many wines do you think I know? Like, but do you know that joint, and you tell me what kind of stars it got. Like, I've never seen this wine from freaking Antarctica, you know, like, but I love that they come to me because they're like, Channing, you're in the wine, what does this taste like? So I go, okay. Where's it from? Okay, it's from France. What part of France? Oh, Northern Rhone. This is a Syrah. What year is this, right? Like, so like I walk them through and then I give them like, for the price, that is gonna be absolutely amazing where you may pay 200 bucks for something that you might be like, eh, this isn't ready yet. So for me, the knowledge that I get every day working with these guys, um, it does stem from me coming in here with Chase for the for the give joy get joy, because I felt like there was a pressure on me, a great one of like this dude is allowing to open up his home to me to make something like he didn't have to ask me like what do I know?
3: Hey, you
4: could have shut up. You could shut up. Yeah, shut up at dinner at the bottle, but he was willing to let me to let us mix. And I think low-key, he I'd liked nudge, our style. i nudge you a little bit
2: here and there. I mean,
4: yeah, d- okay, you got to nudge, right? <laughs> you got to crawl for you got to walk, right? You can't have no BS about a table, right? So for me... Pushing in the right direction. Yes, but I understood, like, understanding the process of this to the, to the next section, to the next, to that, to barreling, to the lease, to do all this, all these crazy words that I can't use on my friends has been amazing, and I'm constantly learning, and it's like, the more I learn, the more wine tastes, tastes better. The more I learn about the process, the more delicious, I, and, and the more I respect each wine, even though I may say, hey, this isn't my style, but I don't think it's bad, right? Unless it is cheaply and poorly done, I will never say wine is bad, just like, or unless it's like mm-hmm. actually like, you know, bad. I mean, it's like, you know, corked or something. But that happens. It's a, it's, there's so many variables. The fact that you get good juice in bottles consistently is amazing. And I think people just take that for granted. Right? It's like, if, if we didn't have all these services that would ship wine to New York and Texas and California, how else would you get to see this place? Right? You'd have to drive up here or you'd have to fly up here and hear about it. And I think it's, it's just amazing to me the opportunities we have to give people amazing points from this from the plots of lands that we're allowed to work with
3: yeah grape farming to wine drinking the journey of that's pretty incredible right and i think there's segments of it that some people pay attention to and care about more than others but i think when you and for me getting to work harvest with them not being in the wine industry previously having a friend that's a winemaker and owns a beautiful piece of property in Hills. And kind of like experiencing the boot camp of it and the the blood sweat and tears of what their Super Bowl is per se you know and what drives what the consumer ends up getting to share store do drink whatever it may be I mean it's a pretty incredible process and then the more you dive into like that that thing leads to oh what year is that or I collect and this vintage from this place and this winemaker with this it's fine farming style to this winemaking style to neutral open French barrels in the Dundee Hills like just the idea of all that and then being able to take that knowledge and sit at a, at a table and share it and it, it just it harkens some of the most amazing moments you can have with people
2: mm-hmm. I think I mean we're sitting here right middle of a pandemic Are we supposed to say that yeah middle of a pandemic We already told the yeah. date uh yeah we yeah. already told <laughs> the, the date day. middle of a pandemic it's Snowing. We're like in a globe, snow globe right here. There's people helping us in the vineyard, pruning right now. So we're starting this next cycle of next vineyard life, basically for the 2021 harvest. In the winery where we were earlier today, we we're trying 2019 harvested wines, so 2019 vintage wines that are going to go to bottle in a few weeks, finalizing those wines. So it's just an evolution that doesn't stop, and it's it's awesome. yeah. It's, I mean, it, just it, takes, it takes so many hands, I mean, if you think of how many hands go into a single, touch a single bottle of, of wine, it's, it's, pretty ima- it's pretty incredible.
1: So, Jason, it seems the story kind of starts with you. So, let's start with you and kind of your background before here. What what You mentioned kind of falling into the wine industry. Tell me about that and about some of the steps you took between there and, and now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, like I said, growing up around it, my dad was a hobby winemaker, had a small vineyard, in nap, actually, when I was growing up, like one acre, um, that he sold fruit to another pretty well-known winery, and then they would just return him wine basically for his cellar. Um, so I was semi-around that, but not really consciously. Um, the rest, I mean, happened when I was in college. I was studying in Florida, I was studying psychology, um, ended up traveling and studying abroad, took a wine course, fell in love with it. In Florence, Italy, yeah. Oh, I you said Florida. I was, no, I was studying in Florida, talk- undergrad. I then joking. I studied abroad in Florence, <laughs> took a wine class, fell in love with it. But
3: that was in Italy, that's what I'm saying. Yeah
2: yeah, 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 in Italy. Fell in love with it, came back. My senior year of college, I ended up working at a wine bar just to learn more, just because my passion was there. It was just something I thought was incredible. Um, and then I just so happened to graduate in one of the worst economic times of the, <laughs> of the last century. Um, probably the top three in that kind of 07, 08 time. So what I did was I went and worked, I went and worked at Whole Foods in the wine, shot wine department there. And then from there, that was a brief, really brief time before I went back to Italy and studied for another year and a half over there. Um, Didn't know exactly what I was going to do with it. It wasn't calling to me to become a winemaker at that point. I just was following a passion of, of something that spoke to me and ended up, you know, working over there and decided to come home and go work, I worked at Stoller here in Oregon, and then travel abroad and work in Burgundy, and Italy, in um, California. So I kind of traveled around, and I just so happened, my dad was a hobbyist, as I said, so he kind of had this dream of owning a vineyard at one point, but I kind of nudged him in the right direction. I was living in Italy, being like, hey, you know, we should really invest in a little piece of property over here, I'll stay, you know, tend to the vines, I'll do all that kind of stuff. And he's like, you know what, we're, dad moved from California to Oregon. My sister was having grandkids, they moved to Bend. Um, I was like, well, if there's one place, you know, in the new world that I feel like makes wine at such a high caliber that can almost feel like old world wines, it's Oregon, and that's one place I would really want to make wine and settle down roots. And so we bought this 25 acres here in the Dundee Hills. Um, we planted it, we bought it in 2012. We planted it in uh, two, success- two successive years. Um, really didn't know how much we were gonna, how much fruit we were gonna sell, how much wine we were gonna make. Um, from day one, we've made all the grapes that we've produced off this property. Um, so it's kind of been a big evolution, whether it be business-wise and how we grow or, you know, what equipment, what needs. Um, Just starting a small business, like anything has all of its caveats and everything that has to be done. So yeah, and then it just kind of snowballed and now we're here.
3: snowball keeps going. (laughs) (laughs) So I would, just two quick things. I would love to have known Chase when he wasn't, didn't know he was gonna be a winemaker because if you know his personality and if you know his palate, He's a winemaker. <laughs> so it would be interesting to know the young man that loved wine, but didn't think he would be, to us, one of our favorite winemakers. And then, good nudge to Holland's Redmond because it's been a good start. Yeah,
2: I don't know if I wanted to start a wine shop, if I True. wanted to actually, get into then,
4: importing, so importing yeah. wines. We you Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. will you tell them where you worked at in California and Italy? Do you mind if you tell them that? Because not like you just worked anywhere. No, I worked at Costa Brown in California. Um, I worked at Domaine
2: Pierre Nijon, and with Marc Heisma in Burgundy, um, who's in Gevray-Chambertin. Then I worked in Umbria, Italy and have since started a small Italian project with my best friend who I met while I was studying over there. It's a project called Lignotto, which means the unknown. Um, in Italian, uh, just basically because when we started in 2014, we were two unknown young winemakers and just basically making uh, a single vineyard, 100% Sangiovese from, from Tuscany. It so. is delicious. But if
3: you remember at Longolo, you get first access too. <laughs>
4: It goes quick. It goes quick. It quick. Goes real quick.
2: Um, but it is yeah, so unreal. I mean, it's just, I don't Wait, know where I started. You right now. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know I was going to become a winemaker. I took some classes and stuff like that, and, you know, it was an option. But then, you know, once you work your first harvest, I also feel like you either are like, yeah, I want to do that, or you're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> it's, and for me, it was like... All right. After a week later, looking back at it, I was like, "That was kind of cool." And then a year later, when you see the first wine that you've ever had a hand in making, even if it was you're just sitting on a sorting table all day or what you were doing, but just knowing that you were there for that, um, it's it's just special.
3: What do you consider? What is your first vintage or first harvest? Where were you?
2: 2011. Where? In Italy. Mm.
3: Ten years later. No. No.
2: Where was it? Italy. I don't Twenty
3: ten. Twenty
2: ten. In Umbria. Or and then I took eleven off, and then yeah.
4: In Umbria or testing? Umbria. Umbria. <laughs> Come on, dude. I'm a Gringo. <laughs> <laughs> and Jacob, tell me a little about your, this
1: kind of your pre-wine life. Tell about your, your pre-wine
3: life. What, what brought you here? What got, what got you involved in this? Um. From Davis, California, born and raised. Migrated to Southern California through college. Um, my mom's younger sister was an independent film producer, which just really means she's a movie maker, but doesn't have a studio financing all of the projects. Um, I got out of college with a degree and definitely didn't know what I wanted to do. And I thought I was gonna move home to coach high school basketball and work with my dad. And my mom sat me down and said, you're an idiot, go be yourself and go take on the world type of thing. And that aligned to getting to go make a film so my aunt had bought the rights from warner brothers to the biggest selling fictional golf book ever written called golf in the kingdom and golf in the kingdom happens and takes place in scotland the story and if you know anything about oregon and southern oregon there's some famous golf courses called band and dunes and it looks like scotland so instead of us going to scotland to make a movie they brought me to oregon and i made a feature film at band and dunes which was an incredible experience After that, we did post-production of Warner Brothers Studios, so I moved back to L.A. But in the midst of that short, brief story, those were years of my life, I fell in love with Oregon, for sure. I was living between Eugene, Bandon Dunes, and Portland. Had friends up here playing for the Timbers, doing different things. So I I met Channing during this time as well, I believe. So Oregon just kind of, being a California kid, if you had told me in my 20s that I was moving to Portland, Oregon, I'd tell you, you're crazy. Um, But I hadn't experienced it. And so I think it found me at the right time. I fell in love with it. I moved back to LA for all the right reasons. Um, But in the process of living in LA, which was for, the second stint was for three or four years, two two to three years, um, being in the movie business and all that stuff, I loved it. I had a great experience there, but I think I always knew I wanted something different. Um, And my now wife um, was from here. So we stayed in touch. I moved back to Portland about nine years ago now. And in those first couple years I was still going back to LA all the time for work. I decided that at some point I just didn't want to be on that plane or doing the things that I was doing. I wanted to find something that I could call home per se here. There's many iterations of that story I guess I could tell, but it, I always loved Wine Country and I thought Wine Country was gold in an aspect. I thought all these amazing things were going to happen here. I loved the wine, I loved the small business aspect, I loved meeting the people. Um, my mother in law at the time worked at the Allison, so I saw kind of like what the potential was for the valley, and hospitality maybe. Um, me and some friends started looking at property out here to do a boutique hotel, which only happened in theory in a sense. During this time, I actually, me and Chase met. Um, first time we ever met was playing golf, so randomly just showed up on a tee box, played golf. We both are pretty good golfers, so I think instinctually we just had a little fun chirping away, didn't know what either of us did, just had fun getting to spend four hours on a golf course together. That turned into meals and conversations and all that, and then, he invited me to work uh, his first harvest, which was 2015, so the first grapes picked from this piece of property. Um, and then I got to do 15 and 16 uh, harvest with them while they were building a tasting room. And I think between 15 and 16, they laid, they allowed me the opportunity to kind of ask questions. Um, what are you gonna, how are you gonna market it? What are you gonna brand? What are you gonna strategize? Like, how does this work? What, what are you thinking? And, and I knew that the wine quality, I knew, like I always believed, and I think he could probably speak to this, being around talent my whole life, whether it's athletes or actors or writers, whatever it may be, there's just—I don't want to say the hit factor—but you just know people that are passionate enough to get what they want and they have the skill set. And I think—I don't know if I've ever said this to Chase, but I think he knows it in what we've done with our careers. But I believed in Chase Ren <laughs> I, thought I, I thought his vision and his palate and his instincts were spot on for what this property needed and what I, I think where the valley was going. And then I thought our personalities hopefully could complement each other. And off to work we went. So. 15 and 16 were harvests, and what, 16 and a half, 17 we opened this place, Mm -hmm. and we had very little wine, very little skews, but we had something to share, right, and I think the beauty of wine, the crazy thing about the film industry is you have intellectual properties and you're always trying to project that you're going to make something to share with people, and I think in wine you always know other than fires and things that you can't control Mother Nature that hopefully you have a product to share every year that you're super passionate about. And I think if the farming's there and the winemaking's there, you're always gonna have something that you're stoked to share with people. So I think getting to be a process, being a part of a process of building a small brand, launching a business, and then sharing something that I loved. I always loved this wine and I always loved this piece of property and I love the William Valley. So I think just kind of hit home like some things, some touch points for me. And then um, off to the races, man. I mean. We've uh, always kept it pretty lean around here. Always been a pretty core group of people that worked here that tried to have each other's backs and care about each other. And uh, we've built a little team around us. And, you know, we're we're at about 2,000 cases a year. have a pretty loyal uh, membership and a tasting room that's open five days a week. And uh, with that, there's also been other things. I mean, we could talk about the CCA dinner and the dinner series we did with some of our favorite chefs in Portland. I mean, I just think that it lends itself to a lot of the things that... Um, whether we're getting paid to do them or not are the things that are our focal points which is bringing people together food wine conversation storytelling all those type of things and then chosen family i think is just like the perfect storm of those things And then you throw in a seven foot nba champion that loves wine and thankfully um and you know we call it chosen family anyone can project what this thing is but i mean i think there's like a a true friendship and passion and love for each other that led to an opportunity to bring wines to the world that we love as well. So I think all these things are just, they all speak to each themselves. like right? They're all kind of a part of the same storm, right? And, uh, to
1: me, I'm just proud to be a part of it. It's been a of fun. And the seven-footer to you right there. Tell uh, me about your your story before wine. I'm I, some of it's pretty well known. But...
4: I mean, I'm going to skip through a lot of it, probably a lot of it sounds like Wikipedia, but like, okay, grew up playing basketball, 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 literally nothing else. And then I got drafted to, so got drafted to New York, played two years in New York. And uh, the honest story was New York was, I went from the University of Arizona, um, four years there, everything was very like the best of the best you know like everybody was good teammates great coaching staff and then i went to the league and it kind of hit me in the face that this is business and so (laughs) for me i was trying to put a you know a a square peg in a round hole and i just didn't understand the business of basketball and so my whole attitude changed when i got traded to portland and on the plane i literally i remember it i had it i was pretty hungover because i said goodbye to all my new york friends And I had a Bloody Mary, and I literally prayed to God, and I said, listen, God, I'm here, I'm humble, I just want to be happy again. I just want to be happy, play basketball, and win. And that is it. I don't need extras, I don't need a lot. Because New York, you could go out any night, SNL parties, Maxim parties, you know, Sports Illustrated parties, anything. You can get anything you want, any food, anything you want. And I just realized that's just not me. Um, and then I came to Portland, and one of my best friends, the only girlfriend I ever had in college, a girl that was a friend, not my girlfriend, but was Raleigh. And she called me when I got traded, and I said, are we gonna go out? And she goes, Jenny, it's Tuesday. And I said, well, you don't have a job, what's up? Like, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, we'll go out, and I'm gonna bring a friend and bring my brother. And I was like, okay, but I don't wanna go to a tree-hugging or a granola-tasting party. Swear, and she'll tell you the same thing. So, I land. I go to my hotel. Raleigh comes. I've known her brother. I've known Raleigh since you know college. So now it's, I've known her six years. Um, and my now future wife walks in. So I think that's her brother's girlfriend. girlfriend. So I'm like, "Eddie, you hey, doing all right? Eddie, you doing all right, duck?" And I hit him with that. So we go out, and to speed now i'm gonna speed this up i fall in love with portland everything about portland like the people i'm from arizona i love that there's rivers it's green there's uh there's seasons people appreciate being outside doing the simple things and That's now i've been here bet. yeah they i i didn't even really play but they would see me out eating and talking and I would, like, to have people wearing my jerseys. I'm like, dude, I'm not even playing. Like, okay, you just wasted $57 on a C. Fry jersey, but okay, good for you. But I love it, and I, I felt that reciprocated love, and no matter where I went, I always came back. No matter where I went, I went to Orlando, I went to Phoenix, where I'm from, came back. Went to New York, or not New York, went to, uh, Cleveland, came back, went to Orlando, came back, went to LA, came back, and now I've been here 13 years, I have four kids, still married to the same woman, Uh, and like Lauren, shout out Lauren, and (laughs) one thing, there are certain things about Portland for me, away from basketball, that has changed my life, and that is appreciation of good conversation over good food and good wine. And when I go to different places, whether I go to, visit my cousins in Atlanta or Kansas City or New York, or they are shocked by my willingness to go outside of my comfort zone, especially when it comes to food and wine. Where, you know, certain people go, well, I don't eat that, or I don't do this, or I don't. I'm like, show me your world. And I think Portland has been a reflection of that, right? And I think for me, I am, and my friends know this, I'm on Zillow and Redfin trying to find them houses to move here every, my brother goes chanting, that's two million dollars. I don't have, I don't have $200. Right? So to meet friends, I have one brother and that's it. My family passed away, my mom and dad passed away. And the, the word, the, the label chosen family is truly for me in the words of Jay Gray, an ethos like He knows it, Chase knows it. Everybody, if you're in my circle, you know it. When you come to my house, you eat with me, we drink, we have fun, your kids are running around, my house is your house, what's mine is yours. And if I love something, I cannot wait. I, and they know it. If I love something, I buy one, boom. Give me 50 (laughs) here. Like, I get more joy from showing awesome things and I've taken that attitude about wine, right? And, and I ask Chase all the time. Chase is a master and the, um, the genius. And every month I'm like, Chase, give me wine that you like. Like help me learn more and grow more and, and to understand more and, so that I could share with other people because that's what we do. And that's like the, the ultimate sign of respect is that when you come over to my house, I make sure that I try to have Something you would like or something that I know that you've told me in my brain and I can't remember many things You know I have ADD a bit That you're like would get excited about because I value your time like I value excuse me your relationship and I value your uh, Your happiness. I think is if we're all happy the conversations are better if you're in a safe space we're all making each other better. Like, Jake can be like, hey, Channing, you need to calm down for a little bit. Like, calm it down, you're too much anxiety, right? Like, we were just talking about the story. I had never bottled a wine before, so now I'm bottling this chosen family wine. Hand bottling. Hand bottling. Hand bottling. So I, you know, I take a little bit before it goes in a bottle. I'm drinking, oh, this is delicious! Oh my gosh, this is delicious! I take it home. I go to share with my mother-in-law. And I'm like, Jake, what happened to this? <laughs> and he goes, Channing, please tell me you didn't open up that bottle. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what happened? Oh, obviously I know nothing about bottle shock, but then you try it a month later, a week later. Three days. Later. Three days, <laughs> right, literally three days. Nice. It, but, but the fact that he can tell me to relax or Chase can tell me, Jane, this is part of the process. Like, you know, it's, we're all big brother, little brothers at times. And I value that relationship. And outside of basketball, this has been, I've never been more passionate about something other than my family. And when people try our wine. Your friends say that a lot, which is cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't just stamp my name on anything. And my name is not on you other than me signing it saying I approve of it. And I hope people understand that, is that I'm going through this process with pros, and I'm learning, and yes, I have my opinion, but I'm not putting BS out there to be famous, other than for the wine. The wine is, eventually the wine will be more famous than I am, and that is my end up goal. That we make such good wine, that's like, dude, this is Channing Fry's wine. Or this is chosen family wine, Oh, Channing has been part of this since the beginning. This was him and his friends thing. That is what my main goal would be, is that people go, that's quality. No matter what they do, they work with the coolest and awesomest people, they make quality wine, and they represent for, for Oregon and the Valley.
3: It's funny hearing him talk, and it took me a while because I didn't come up in the hospitality game, but if you just hear like everything he described about himself, and like coming to his house and what he wants to share, he was born and bred, and I feel like this about. It took me a long time to understand this about myself because I used it in different facets of different producer, this different terms. But it's really being in the hospitality business. It's like caring about people's experiences and wanting to share that with other people and make sure the people around you are having more fun than you are. In a sense, like how can I make your life better? And it's funny that like it just hit home. Like listening to him talk about it, it's like he was. Ne- other than being seven foot and being able to put a basket and, and having the opportunity to go live that incredible journey. But like if you hear it, his soul, it's like it's, it's tended towards this a little bit, right? Like this is a, a very natural fit, I think, for like
4: how you it feel. Sucks it sucks like, being you- by yourself and tasting the greatest wine you've <laughs> yeah, ever tasted. It's like, a beautiful sunset, right? <laughs> it's like, oh this is so good. Nobody in the room. He doesn't, okay. care. He doesn't okay. share anything. But if you're at dinner, right? I, I've had dinners where I've had, you know, quote unquote coming to Jesus moments with people where I go. I did not know that about you, and it changed my whole perspective on not only a group of people, but maybe how I look at like, how I wanna raise my kids and what they need to have a little bit more of, what they need to be exposed to, their language, their, their empathy, and, and that is like, it's been the amazing food that maybe we're uncomfortable with at the time. You know, who grow in Arizona, who grows up eating Korean food? No, like Korean joints or Thai food was the thing. I was like, what the heck is Thai food? Like, I really a Chinese food, right? I live in Arizona. Mexican food burritos. Okay, what's up? That's me. That's that. Right. That's that. T- t- Ooh, Southwest. Yeah, we had burritos this morning. Anyways. but being comfortable in uncomfortable <laughs> situations, right? And just being empathetic towards your friends and your family. And if they are willing to take you there, it gives them joy. Put your shield down for a second and get it. And I think to wrap this back around wine, I felt that from Chase and Jake from day one. For Jake to send me that wine, the long glow, and be like, Channing, this is going to blow your mind. Uh-oh, that guy must went inside. He cold. Uh, <laughs> for, you know, for Jake to send me the wine and be like, Channing, I bet you think this is the greatest wine of all time. <laughs> right? Obviously, okay. he's messed with me, but I go, damn, doorway, this is... What, what is this? Like, the gears start going. Chase did us a, a great service of making
3: our first vintage ever from Longolo. It made us a little bit of a Homer statement, but our 15s were beautiful. And so to have a young site, which is usually counterintuitive to people, old vines, old, having a young site with young vines and a great first vintage was really cool to share with people. Because it kind of shifted the paradigm of like how people thought about wine, and it also put us in their subconscious quickly. Like, you weren't scared to share it with people. It didn't need five years before we're like, oh, just wait a little while. It was like, no, let's check out what we made. Oh, yeah. Check time. that out, and listen. And-
4: what, are them the- things the- are flying off the shelf. Yeah. Right, even on my team plane. It was like I was, started bringing bottles of stuff. Look, like if we had a fly, we had a day off. I'm like, I want to drink this one afternoon. Go to dinner, you know, maybe have another one, and then just go chill. But then all of a sudden it became the culture where we would share, watch film, talk, and everyone would bring, you know, everyone would bring different bottles of wine. It was wild. And you get people from, you know, I was sitting next to Jose Calderon and Kyle Corver and even Birdman, right? Who you wouldn't think would, no, no, like not judging a book by its cover. You just because it ta- it's super. tattoos? No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. He's, <laughs> no, no, no. But even he you would bring, him to be a wine. you wouldn't, but he would go, oh, y'all drink a wine today? Here, I love this one. And he'd be like, why? Oh, I was in Aspen, and uh, I was snowboarding, because he snowboards, my height. He's like, I was snowboarding, he grew up there, and I, uh, this guy fell, and I ran into him, and he was the owner of this place. He said, my bad, and then gave me the bottle, and I love it. And I'm like, what? Like, how long ago was this? He was like, oh, like 15 years ago. And I was like, and you still remember this one bottle? He goes, yeah, I don't drink wine, but I will drink this wine, because that guy bought me this bottle of wine for this, but like this story is just like, again, the connector between like a moment and like most of the time it's happiness.
3: On the back of our bottle of wine I've chosen it says, passion is our purpose, friendship is our foundation, and wine is our connector. And I think like, I mean, it's a blanket statement, but I think it's a pretty true one for like who we are, whether it's that brand or not.
4: It's a very comfy mm. blanket though. Mm. <laughs> Put me in it. Like a okay. blanket.
1: I want to come back to your kind of, uh, you had your idea of Oregon, you had your idea of this little plot of land. Mm-hmm. Tell me about why this space when you set out and, and what you wanted to do in the vineyard and in the winery kind of showcase. What, what were your, what were your kind of initial philosophies for your wine?
2: Yeah, so uh, I came up in 2011. My sister was living in Eugene um, at the time and I kind of made that my home base while we were looking i've used peter bowman who's probably sold a lot of the real estate vineyard real estate around here in the last 20 years but yeah we're looking for places i mean we i looked Ewell amity hills i looked ribbon ridge i looked out west of mcminnville um and then we came to this one spot um right here on the corner of williamson and dudley it was 25 acres it was an old nut orchard until the late 30s um and then it just—it was perfect. I mean, it had—I have always loved Jory soils for one. It's kind of—I narrowed it down to where I wanted some. I wanted some red soil. I just like what Jory soils do—the red fruitiness, the preciseness that those Pinots can have. Um, so that helped me narrow it down after tasting through people's cellars as well. Um, not saying that I don't get soil envy ever and wish I had different soils, um, but. But yeah this spot was it was just perfect it was right in the epicenter right in the Dundee Hills which is arguably the most famous AVA in Oregon just from you know the beginning so so um, Irie and all them so starting kind of a foundation Um, so having that history in the back pocket always helps Um, having east-facing slope was big to me too I wanted a lot of early morning sun not as much afternoon sun to really help maintain acidity um and then we farmed here organic since the beginning so farming has been a top priority in making top wines for me I got to make sure that you know everything is done right if you want the end product to be right um but yeah I mean this was I just luckily enough stumbled upon it Mike Etzel was supposed to buy this piece of property back before he bought, um, I think, sequitur. He was gonna buy this, and then it just fell through. Um, and lucky enough, I, I came at the right time and, and got this piece of property, and it's, it's been great. I mean, really what it is, we're lucky that uh, it didn't get turned into homes, because at, at one point, this 25 acres was gonna be subdivided into five five-acre homes, and then all the neighbors wrote letters and said, hey, don't do that, but it remained farmland. And it just sat overgrown and fallow for us. So when I came, it was overgrown, lots of blackberry bushes, lots of, you know, overgrown stuff, but it was, it wasn't like it had been a tree farm or something that had terrible chemicals and everything and just burnt, scorched the earth. It was very nutrient rich um, and just fallow and ready to plant. So I think we really lucked out with that.
1: What about the, the, sort of the, the philosophy behind the wines in the beginning?
2: You your, you said you poured into vineyard practices, organic from the beginning. Well, poured into vineyard, um, I originally, so for the first few years, I had a consultant, Isabelle Meunier, who's a very well very well known, very highly regarded winemaker here in the Valley. Someone who is my mentor, who I look up to as a mentor um, now. And, you know, she helped me in the winery. I mean, obviously I had worked harvest around, but I'd never really established myself making my own wine. So having her as a sounding board for ideas or what she was thinking in her eyes and what she had seen in her previous 10 vintages here in Oregon while I wasn't here um, was extremely helpful. So, I mean, I came from that ethos of old world. Having studied in Italy, having worked in Burgundy, it was kind of, those stylistic wines that I want to make, I really want to take what each year and what this piece of land gives me and not manipulate it, not do anything. Um, So just take the native yeasts that are coming in from the vineyard, use that for native fermentations, Um, not heavily over oak things. So only use minimal new oak, use a lot of more neutral oak to just showcase what this piece of property has to tell, um, and yeah, so that's kind of my ment- mentality when it comes to the winery.
1: So Jacob, what did you bring when you came on board Longo? What did you bring
3: to the table? Um, that's a good question. I think I was, I think I'm a connector and a storyteller at heart. So I think having a blank slate—I didn't have any preconceived notions. I don't think I had any bad habits when it came. I didn't have like my mind made up of how this needed to be, I think it was more just having the opportunity to live and learn through chasing in real time and then being able to invite people I love and the world around us to come share in this thing we're building. I mean having an architectural delight with a badass young winemaker and an organic vineyard in Dundee Hills is a good starting point, you know, and I think it was just where we're going to go from here and how. And I think, I mean it's been an evolution, it's a constant learning process, I, I would never Pretend to know, like, I knew everything about POS systems, wine clubs, and like what's next, but I think I have great instincts when it comes to marketing, branding, and how to tell a story and how to connect a brand to a consumer base. But I mean, Outside, I think I'm the perfect consumer. I mean, I was when we started this, I was in my early to mid-30s. I loved wine. I wanted to make enough money to be able to buy some great wine. I wanted to share great wine at great meals. I, I wanted, like, what are those things that turn me on? And whether it was here or not, we would go wine tasting on our own. We would go to restaurants and study the wine list and ask questions. Like, I think I've always just had an ear and an eye and an appeal to, like, what wine country brought. And then I think it's just a constant evolution to it. And I just think, I mean, Me and Chase for as friendly as we are and as much as we respect and like each other, we're very different personality sets. So I don't think we've never been in competition at all. And I think in young brands and young businesses there's a lot of times where people bump heads because they truly want to be each other or they're jealous of each other. And I'm speaking for myself and I can I know I can say this often we we don't want to be each other. I don't want to be a winemaker and I don't think he wants to do a lot of the stuff I do. So I think it's been a great compliment to each other and then we've tried to find the resources and help to help us along it and I I'm never above asking questions and asking for help or trying to learn more. I'm not an expert in the wine industry. Maybe, I mean, I'd like to think I'm good at my job and I'd love to think that I bring something to any table that I'm at, but I think it's just been a, con- a continuous learning experience. It's been, you know, what, how can we improve? What is there? What is the consumer looking for? How can hospitality be improved upon? And then what does this place lend itself to, right? So I think more of my, my focus was on the hospitality and, and the tasting and, and brand experience. I take to heart what Long, like when someone speaks of Long, low, when someone wears our merchandise, when someone says, I want to take you to my favorite winery, like that means something to me, right? So I think that's the thing I've always tried to like cue in on, but I mean, what, I, mean I don't know what to say that I bring the table other than myself, you know? <laughs> try to stay comfortable with my skin and try to, you know, give my best to every situation I'm in.
2: I think, I think Jake brings a sense of an aura, right? He has a presence in the building, and I think when you come to anything where you're sharing, you have to feel comfortable, and Jake definitely brings that comfort, like to any situation you can. I'm very uncomfortable.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think if anyone, if you can make, you only get the best of the people if you make people comfortable, whether that's in a one-on-one conversation or in a group of 30, or let alone if someone's gonna spend their time and their energy to come and try to learn something. (laughs) All too often, I always like to say that we're here to turn people on to wine, not turn people off to wine. And I, I would like to, I, I know for a fact every once in a while wine tasting, if you're not an educated consumer, it can be overwhelming. Um, and I didn't want us to have that. Now, what does that mean? You have to find that and you have to find your comfortability in sharing yours. But like, you don't have tasting notes because what you taste isn't what I taste and what you as a consumer, I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong because you're not. So I think it was just like, how do we bridge the gap between I think I want to learn about wine to like, now I'm comfortable enough to fall in love with wine. And now this is a great place to go on that journey. So I think it's always been about making people comfortable and falling in love with the brand and experience. And I think, again, you have great wine and you have a great place to host people. I mean, that's a great starting block. And then there's just an ebb and flow to this valley and, and the seasonality to it, to what people are looking for. But what a time to be alive and what a time to be in the wine business in Oregon. Like It's been an awesome ride and it's been an incredible place to to live and learn through. And then outside of ourselves, I mean, you speak to Beau Freire, you speak to Kristen, you speak to Domain Roy, like the list goes on. Like, just a huge fan of the place. A huge fan of the people and everything that it brings to the table. And I think this place is on fire. I think, you know, I think we can always grow in, in a hospitality general sense. Like dining, fine dining, dining, lodging. But I mean, when you just talk about wine, when you talk about quality of wine and quality of human beings behind wine, uh, this place is incredible, on fire, so I'm happy to
2: be a part of it. I should say is because it's a big story of Longolo is my parents, right? I haven't talked enough about my parents. Um, Their passion to allow me to follow, or their, not passion, but their goal for me to follow my passion was what made this all possible. Not monetarily, but just even just telling me before I even got into wine go find what you're passionate about and follow that dream. Um, and that's why this place has a name that's actually a little bit strange, but it has a big meaning. Um, Longolo means the corner in Italian. So I did my studies in Italy. Uh, I've considered myself Italian, even though I have no Italian <laughs> name. Do um, you speak <laughs> Italian? You yeah. Uh, I could get by. That's he's
3: like, understand everything. Um, oh, yeah. uh-huh.
2: And, but, means the corner in Italian and then my parents also what is it 44 years ago now they met on a street corner in California no, he was romantic. doing what he was romantic back in the 60s when the, you know when you didn't have all these dating apps right? Right, right he went up to my mom on the corner and said that basically he couldn't let her walk out of his life and, oh, and luckily, luckily <laughs> for me they've been together since They have a loving loving marriage that's a great story two wonderful kids and they allowed their kids to kind of grow it's funny because
3: he tells. me i can't let you leave as ran this tasting room. We talked about his parents every day that were open, right? So not only do we know them as humans and are they incredible, and have I not, at the beginning of this heard and watched them empower their son in this journey and the opportunity to pursue his passions. But like we talked to, because every, to your point, Langolo, Langolo, Langolo. We talk every, the number one thing outside of why is your Chardonnay so good, is why does Langolo mean? And so it's, we talked to the name and there's three components to it, which he speaks to his studies in Italy so we want to talk to that. We're at the corners of two roads, so literally the corner in Italy, Williams and Dether Road. And then we talked to the corner guy, the romance behind it, two people meeting on a street corner. They used to call your dad the corner guy. Mm-hmm. He flirted with his mom on a corner and then got a sense. So like literally this place in this experience that people there's probably not many people that have tasted wine in this, joined our membership, bought a wine, did anything whether they did or didn't, that haven't heard our story about Lou and Hollins and how integral they were
4: What's crazy is the corner is three also. It's three points. One,
3: two,
4: three.
1: Got it. Wow. Genius. And <laughs> geometry like <laughs>
2: Uh <laughs> openings Linfield for uh, <laughs> <laughs> Professor? No.
4: God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was I was thinking not want what do it, but wasn't busy enough. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell me about chosen family, man. And what, what kind of prompted that as a secondary project and, and just how you kind of came to be part of the or came to be part of that project?
4: Man, I Janny is that brother. I don't, He's the reason why. Mm-hmm. I feel like my perspective on wine isn't, is unique, but it's not pretentious, it's not unattainable, it's not it is more to showcase things that I already loved, just my version of it our version of it. Like, the people we have the opportunity to work with is because we literally have drank gallons of their wine. <laughs> right? It's because this guy does something so good. This is such an amazing, we'll start with Longolo. This is such an amazing plot of land. And mm-hmm. I've drank so much Longolo. And then when mm-hmm. we got to do the, you know, the, the CCA event, The bottles, you could kind of, you would be like, are they from the same spot? But then you would drink them, you'd be like, okay, I can see the faint similarities between it. That's exciting. That's exciting to give somebody like this, because I think all winemakers are artists at the end of the day, right? They look at something, they look at this and he goes, yeah, I think I'm gonna put Vadensville down there in block 22. Uh, You know, maybe a little Pomard, uh, maybe we'll be the Chardonnay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. And for me, um, as much as I love wine, is as much as I love giving somebody an opportunity to showcase them as an artist. Because for me, as the winemaker, we're saying, if we give you these grapes, or if you have an opportunity to do something different than what you do every day, but to show its cousin, to show the its uncle. We're collaborating with. Correct.
3: So like a lot of people call them a megaphone for the valley, right? And I think chosen, like when you see a lot of people source fruit from places, they blend it into their label, right? we as a label wanted to really highlight the people we work with because the reason we're working with them is because we love what they do. Oh. So we wanted our platform, his platform, Chosen Family's platform to go like, yo, if we work with you or if you allow us to collaborate with you, if you're nice enough for us to buy some grapes from you, we don't want to say it's ours. We want to work with no. you to make a wine for us and our audience that hopefully filters back to your own brand as well. Like I think this was all built out of like, Simply, how can we share our favorite wines and then build a portfolio called Chosen Family that works with our favorite wineries? Right, like as simple as that sounds now, not as easy to, to make happen. We're <laughs> in the process of doing that, and thankfully, the Valley's been good to us, amazing great relationships, and we are good consumers ourselves. But I think we wanted to really like highlight what we love about this industry and the people behind it. Right, yeah, a lot of times artists like to stay in their tucked away where they do their thing right they're perfectionists not only the artists are perfectionists right so not every every bottle makes it everyone them as happy as it makes us but as consumers we want to share the things that we love and then we wanted to be lucky
4: enough to work with people that we've a good example is that we're not selling the gold we're selling shovels right and we're we are giving people shovels to dig into all the wines in the valley So not just Longolo, Hazelfern, Granville, and whoever else that we work with, we're not competing with them, we're showcasing them. We're saying, here, you go find your own journey. This is just another expression of what we already love. Now, if you love Chosen, you may mess around and go get a case of Longolo. Because you're like, well, if I love Chosen, I wanna see what Longolo tastes like. Holy crap, I like Longolo more. We've won. We've won because it's still us, it's still like, you love what we love at the, you know, it's not like we're working with people we don't like. And that is what's exciting. And that's why we are, I, I, for me, I am love not only explaining what we do, but showcasing the people that we do it with and saying like, dude, this dude's cool as shit, man. Like he honestly, we have conversations with them Great. for hours. I go wine tasting and each thing's supposed to be an hour and I'm outside in snow, for two and a half three hours because we're just talking and about your family about the wine about everything and it's like getting to know these amazing people and get an opportunity to work with them and to do something that's special to uniquely us but for the masses is 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 it gets me up in the morning and it yeah. uh, sort of puts me to sleep tonight if I have enough. <laughs> when, when, you know, much Stay out there, Red Wine. As much as we live
3: this together, when do you think you truly. Because I feel like we've flirted with the idea of like, yo, know, wouldn't it be cool to make wine together? Wouldn't it be cool to create our own label? Wouldn't it be. When do you think you actually knew, yo, I, I, we should do something like that? <laughs> uh,
4: right after we did this. What, the first CCA did Yeah. I was on a plane and I, have, I still have the book and it's 15 pages deep of thoughts. I was on a four-hour flight and- you told yourself oh, Because when I get into something, my personality, like there's no medium part of it. It's, and Jake and Brand, oh yeah, I'm in that water, right? The <laughs> chain the water's fine, <laughs> boom, right? But that's me because you can't dip your toe in this or you're not going to. If you don't have a emotional investment into this is gonna be BS. You
3: like giving your own something.
4: Yes, it it just can't. And then when people hear me talk about it, they know it's, I'm here. I like, when he's like, Channing, I'm doing this. All right, we are running up. Or Channing, let's taste this. Or let's, where else do we wanna work? I wanna be a part, and I am, and we are of every little minute, sometimes tedious detail of everything
3: i think that's the misconception channing's probably wants to speak to and should is that a lot of times when someone has a platform or fame or a last name or this thing like you can he could make fry wines probably with someone right there'd be someone that says channing what do you want to do we'll make everything do a nice red blend yeah you just you just say what it is (laughs) this is how many cases and we'll sell it in this marketplace right but to his point like and i think what we live and know but we want the world to know is Channing's is involved in every decision making as possible, and he wouldn't want it any other way. And I think as his friends and business partners, that's been really fun to watch happen, and be a part of Like, I know his passion as a a human being, because I know him as a human being. But seeing him fall in love with the process, from the designing of labels, to Shipping and compliance, to like asking all the right questions, to like understanding the annoying parts of the business, to the fun to the parts of the business. To when Whoa. are we going to do this? If we scale, what does this look like? What are the margins on it? Like, what? Like, just there's so much information. There's so much learning, and obviously we all try to support each other in that. But there's
4: we don't. There's not but many I, mornings we don't wake up to a text and go to asking each other. Brand, we are like Brynn, and she helps us do so much, and so she needs just as much love because obviously we started, but we couldn't do this without her, obviously on a day to day. And just the process of this has been wild. And I just a, a little story, and not to get off my original thought, was like I literally drove an hour to drop off, two hours to drop off 25 hats. But I was so happy to do it because I knew that it would be, because. It makes me happy to do the work. And that's when you know you're really passionate about it. Well, that's, for me,
2: what you said about being emotionally invested. Yeah. That's how you separate good or average wine or average business, average from something that strives to be better, right? You're emotionally invested. You're not just mailing it in, right? And I think that's huge. And it becomes, you're emotionally invested not just in the business, but you're emotionally invested in how the wine tastes, what actions.
4: Yeah. The exactly. story between, you know, we were on an email chain of the quarter length of the border from, you know, the, the color border from the white border of our labels. Do you remember that? And we're like, why do we need to know this? And I was like, yeah, you know, me being sarcastic. Yeah, why do we need to know this? 1.25 centimeters is, well, is actually what it is, but. I remember that because there were different things. Huh.
3: He's seen and been through it all. Yeah, but in, in launching a small
4: business. Oh, which is also hard during COVID and we'll talk about that later. Good lord. It was great. I, I had never And wine is crazy because you know if it's everyone else's wine, somebody goes, I don't like this. Right? You go, oh, okay, I don't like this. I'll give you something else. When it's yours, yeah. it's a little different. I'm not usually a white wine drinker, and I go. Drink the wine. It's delicious. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. drink the wine. It's a one. You know, like, but it, I, I love that, that I, that I care and that I'm like, it's, it's, it's been a, so much fun. And I would do this every day. We're except, just getting started. Yeah, we're just getting started. No, and I do do it every day. That. God. Huh? Here we go. Thank yeah, oh yeah, here we go, for sure. So you
1: talked about chosen families being a way to kind of showcase... If people
3: you admire or wines you admire, tell me what you're looking for in, in partnerships there and what you're trying to showcase with Chosen family that's different than what you do at Longolo. Oh, so I think actually Longolo's, per- that's a great question because the elephant in the room when we started was, so if Cho's, if we work at Longolo and if he is the winemaker and owner of Longolo, what's the difference in a partner of in the first wines we release is from Longolo, what's the difference, right? Thankfully, the opportunity was that we actually got to go through barrel trials, blind tastings, and figure out a wine for us that we would like to represent chosen family wines from this specific vineyard, which is Willow Estate, which we love the winemaker and we love the site. And that, I think. That idea is what we're trying to extend to everything. So let's say we're working with Hazel Fern and they source wine. We're doing a Syrah with Hazel Fern. They're getting their grapes from Lake Colleen Vineyard. We love Hazel Fern Syrah. Now we're trying to source a certain amount of fruit from a place they get it to have Brian and Laura make a Syrah, but we get to be a part of the process. We source some, Blanc, some Chardonnay from a certain site and make some Blanc de Blanc with someone as we want but we get to be a part of the process of the style of that. Let's say we're huge fans of Beaufrere. If we ever had the opportunity to work with a Beaufrere on Twitter, it, the Etzels were nice enough, what kind of barrels is there to play with? What would be the thought process? We are not looking to tell people how to make wine. We're just trying to show off the thing that we're in love with, but I think it's also an incredible opportunity for a winemaker to add a little touch or to do stuff a little different than the brand that they've built.
2: Well, I think you build like you build a brand. I have this vision in my brain of what Longolo is, what Longalow tastes like, what it is that I see, right? But to be able to step back and know I have a different, I don't have to mess with the Longolo brand, be like, well, this doesn't taste exactly like Longolo that I'm so used to getting that I really enjoy your style, Chase. And just to see me have a different take on this vineyard, whether it be harvest dates, barrel regimen, um, anything, really.
4: Imagine giving your favorite artist a blank canvas. Be like, hey, I like the colors blue, purple, and red go to work and whatever you do is perfect because we're going to be there part of the process just appreciating you and I think for Chase like obviously he's a winemaker we're not in here every single day you know dripping and dropping we can't that's just not our realm but again we are three circles and we intertwine you know, in the middle. No, we have opinions, Well, <laughs> we got opinions. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you know, I could be like, hey, make it more grapey. And then he got to translate that to mm-hmm. whatever that means. But I think the opportunity is amazing for me on this part. Obviously, I got to say this is that the opportunity is amazing for these winemakers, for us to come in and say, we already love everything that you're doing. We see the grind here. Here's a canvas for you and allow us to showcase you with us to the world. We may reach 50, 500,000, 5 million people to just showcase you on this certain varietal. And I think it puts pressure on us to number one, sell it and make sure it's good. But it also is exciting and invigorating. You could probably ask Chase this. Yeah, no that like you do something that's different than what you do on every day. And you can put your, because we do so little, he can make it as technically perfect as he wants to. Well, it's just like, what kind of
2: extraction level do you want during fermentation? There's all these different things that, you know, normally, you know, I'm only doing pump overs during primary fermentation. Maybe I do only punch downs or I start messing with just different techniques kind of that, Honestly, might carry over into what I do with Longo, eventually. Like like 2019 Chosen Chardonnay is a lot more new oak on that than I ever used for Longo. It's I delicious. I
3: love that wine. Oh, it's so delicious. So might start, you, you know. know. Wet, you wouldn't want that side of that. Sure, yeah, right?
4: so it just kind of opens up yeah. those doors. And when we did tastings, he thought we were going to pick, you know, out of let's say we had 10, he thought we were going to pick 10. We ended up picking like two. He was like, dang, okay, I didn't know, like, I assume, but okay, I know what you guys like out of this, but that's what's amazing is that he can assume or he can say, Hey, this is what I think we should do and then all of a sudden we agree it's something completely different based on what's happened that year, the weather, the you know, the tar, the all that kind of stuff. It's it's so much fun. It's like we're just all in this bubble together and where we go it I think it's the opportunity not
3: be held, you don't have to make the exact same wine that your brand is known for, but we love you enough as a winemaker to hopefully show off and play and have the freedom to do as you please, but we get the opportunity to hopefully work with you through that process, and then if anything, I mean, I would assume and hope that our platform brand and marketing savvy would bring new ears and new eyes to whoever we're working with, and if we can prove those metrics, and, and but, I mean, we can get into that and I think that sounds a little cheap at this point, but realistically you're not going to see us work with people that we don't humanly gravitate towards, oh, yeah. not only as humans, but also the end product of what that human brings to the world. But we're like, For of sure. course this isn't, we don't want this just to be a hobby. We're not in this to not be successful because we all have those personality traits, but we're not going to sacrifice that to work with people we don't like because the world thinks they make great money. So if we're lucky enough to be surrounded with amazing humans that make great wine, and then we there's a strong enough relationship, or a new enough relationship that's exciting to cross collaborate, then let's see what happens. And I think we're just kind of trying to stay in that pocket of like quality. Oh, you know mean?
4: Quality is everything. Yeah, I think the one thing we always knew we could promise is, oh. and I think
3: working with Longo first, we love the wine from here. So I think we felt safe going to market with the great oh. out of the gate, and I don't think we ever want to sacrifice. I don't think any of us would put our names or our brands on things that we don't
4: believe. You know how bad I would get roasted for that? Ugh. Oh. Well, he talks oh. a lot of shit. So if you to make <laughs> something bad, everyone would love to talk shit. Oh you. my so, gosh. He's got a lot of. Uh, what? But that's our personality is, you know, my friends are coming out with tequilas, gins, beers clothing lines my friends come out with tequila well i mean it's a different it's a different realm but oh, you know lebron james
2: oh, yeah i thought that was a subtle drop that wasn't a my subtle drop i mean listen tequila. i could know
4: george Clooney. what's up y'all don't know who i know you don't know who i know you drink us amigos all the time me and gc we're good that was like almost two weeks ago uh, no but it's just like there's a level of quality that we hold each other to and the fact that I sent this wine to all my friends, and I know there have been other wines that they've tried, that they were like, "Oh, this is disgusting," but they were like, "Channing, what's up? Like, we need more of this. Yeah, this is expensive, though. always. Yeah, oh, it's, it's good. Like what? But all at a high quality, and not from one person, but from different.
3: If we can throw the best dinner party in the world, and every wine is chosen families, but from incredible producers, inside from, from bubbles. To Brunello, like you know, what I mean and everything in
4: between. Imagine that. Like, I might not make it mean, past appetizers.
3: That's going to <laughs> that's <laughs> start, be but if, you, if we have the relationships and the opportunity, I think we just want to like kind of showcase the wine through our eyes.
4: But again, we're learning though because he's not making our Syrah, he's not making our bubbles, right? And then who knows who's going to make our California stuff? So he is our winemaker for this and so maybe a business partner and chosen. Yes, and so he gets to sit and just sit back and taste stuff. Well, you also
3: can't just take advantage of me and him in the cellar, right? Like, yeah. having a winemaker know all the information that goes into running a winery and making high-class wines, you're not gonna pull the wool over our eyes and from a business sense,
4: or <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, listen, you're not product. giving us the crusty girls. nice to have
3: someone as a business partner that doesn't look at everything the way we do it and it has I'm that
4: security it. guard. Oh, yeah, he's like, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> No, no, no. I see mold on that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know if Chase
1: does,
4: does that mean something? Oh, my goodness.
1: goodness. You talked earlier about events being a big part of what you want to do, and then have done. Tell me about some of the events you've done so far, and kind of what you're looking for in the future, as events become a thing again. And, okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, oh
4: <laughs> dude, yes. We are big event people. Go ahead. Um, Hit them. Well, yeah, if, if we can, again. So, I think the long, if you,
3: the space we're sitting in is a great place to host people as a business, but then also throw events. So, the, um, Our members get incredible access. We usually throw two weekends full of fun parties a year for our releases, but the world's tricking us into changing that a little bit. We've always tried to work with and highlight our favorite chefs from Portland, which, obviously, there's an incredible culinary scene in Portland. We live there, so we've had great relationships in that and try to bring that to the valley and into this space to share great we- food with our wine. And then we've had the Give Joy, Get Joy event, which we've had twice, which was filling this room with about 50 people to have two of the best chefs in the world provide a five-course meal for everyone here. All three of us speak, and then we try to raise as much money for the Children's Cancer Association. That night's full of tears, stories, and like incredible, like heartwarming stuff. So we weren't able to do it this last summer, but hope to get to do it again. And then with chosen, I mean, we've launched a business and a brand in the midst of COVID. So we've really focused on e-com and DTC, which we don't have a tasting room. We don't actually, a lot of people come to Longlow looking for it. and We don't have it here. So we're trying to push people to a website. We're trying to ship it to people. But with that said, I mean, I would think that our relationships and the way we like to do business would lead ourselves to doing a lot of pop-ups, a lot of dinners, a lot of wine tastings and a lot of event-driven stuff for Chosen Family and for longalow and I know I had a lot of ideas of other things we were going to do at Longlow Estate, but you're just kind of trying to stay the course, keep your doors open and find out how to be nimble enough to do business in the midst of the pandemic and in the midst of winter when you can't host people inside. So it's been interesting to say the least, but Chosen, I mean, just who we are as people, I mean, across the board, we just want to share the things that we love. And Frankly, we haven't really had a chance to pour our wines for anyone. We have Literally not opened a bottle and said, hey, here, try (laughs) this before you buy it for anyone yet. Uh, Maybe our friends and family, but even you don't see them that much right now. So the wine we've drank and chosen has been our own. And then thankfully we've been supported by the people in the world that believe in us us enough, know about Longolo, know about Channing, or know myself and trust in our opinions and our palates, hopefully, to
4: to buy a product we're passionate Uh, about. I have to give this credit to Jake. At the beginning, I think, you know, me being a competitor, I'm like, all right, we need to sell this in one month, and two days, or whatever. And Jake's like, no, we don't. Opposite of that. We want word of mouth. We want as many different people being able to taste this over a long period of time so that they could see how it grows, how it evolves, how we grow and come on this journey. And at first the first i would say month i probably did not agree with that i was like sell this sell this so we did great i don't know so I was like, we'll see the next release <laughs> how long it takes right oh man <laughs> but now it's like word of mouth is like so much more important to me at least because people randomly we won't get any buy for a day and the next thing you know somebody buys three cases and you're like wait what and the guy will text me or dm me on Instagram like Channing I just saw uh, I just had one of your bottles at my friend's house for this important dinner right he got the vaccine or whatever it literally is a dm I just got like yesterday I just got a dm uh the guy hey I just went to his house we both got vaccine we're first responders we love you you're from Cleveland or we're from Cleveland like we been saving this bottle for this moment and they're like this is amazing tell us when more comes out that is so like in the gut in the feels of like, man, okay, we're doing this right. We're doing this right. And we're not making a lot. And so I want everybody to have an opportunity to try it, but I also want to reward people for quality. And right now we just can't do ten thousand cases. We just wouldn't. A lot of people are
3: used to buying stuff in stores, yeah. Like going somewhere to buy it in retail. And like literally we're just like a small direct to consumer e-com brand, smaller than
4: small. Yeah, I mean, we made a little boutique. Bit more, yeah, we're very boutique.
3: Boutique. We have plans to not be as boutique, but we plan on being boutique forever, right? We, we oh, yeah. we're not arc.
2: We're going to go from the micro boutique to the boutique. Okay, there
3: we go. That's it. Yeah. 2021
4: new us. Yeah. yeah.
3: But yeah, we I mean there's Watch a lot, out. There's a lot Watch of ways out.
4: to move wine, right? And
3: there's a lot of people that use different machines to sell wine and sell it fast and that's all wonderful, right? However, but once you don't have a product, you don't, it's hard to tell a story. So yeah. I think when you're a young brand, you want as many people having the opportunity to share in that moment and in that thing that you created. And hopefully the, the whole thing we try to say out loud is we want you to share it with your So if you have moments with this wine, hopefully that will make you want to have more moments with your wine. And then hopefully if our first couple wines you buy from us are great, you're going to be willing to go on that ride with us while we release more and more wines. So we have a couple, we have a Rosé coming out this year, we have a Syrah coming out this year, Bubbles is a few years away, we have more Pinot coming from here. Behind the scenes we're working towards some things in the future, so we're really excited about all the things that we're bringing to life. And as you know with wine, you're always a year to two away from a release, so for us to not own a vineyard but yet to be continuously releasing wines, we're trying to fill those voids and build those relationships so we can have wine to share with people. And, I also, and some places that we
4: love. I also feel like we are, because we are don't have a tasting room, we are so much more social media driven about our story. We're definitely a new age wine brand. We're definitely yes. visually and used. it has and been lot amazing lot. to just learn.
3: Analytics and all the things.
4: Yep. Every two weeks we have our analytics meeting, we're like okay we got to go get some more people from North Dakota like what's up they just don't <laughs> drink wine you know what's up what do they drink they need some uh, nebbiolos um but no I think it's going to help us in the future because whether you like the varietal or not you're going to still be on this journey with us because we're going to show you from every section of what we're doing, like from the picking, to the squishing, to the, you know, the bottling, to all that kind of, you know, and I have to, I don't want to do Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We want to help, I think wine hasn't always been as digitalized as where other brands and specific industries are good at, and I think if there's one thing we can bring with the resources and relationships we had is from a storytelling standpoint, and a continuous storytelling standpoint, and a, a digital presence, and a social media presence, so I think content's really important to us. and the impetus to like, if you make a 10,000 case of wine, you're worried about how much of that's in inventory, how much storage your costs are. Like we're making just enough wine to be nervous about how to move it and when we're gonna move it, but we get to really sit back and learn and not be in a rush to figure out what works for chosen family, what our core audience is saying. And then each release we have, we have someone that actually studied analytics and business analytics to help guide us with the digital age of what we're doing to kind of build out how we can be an e-com brand right so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when, when you don't own a vineyard it, it's interesting to learn from a business standpoint how to not have as much overhead in the wine industry right there's there's different business models and when you own a vineyard and you have a tasting room and you have a production facility that's a three-tier model if you don't have any of those things but yet you have a high-end world-class product and high price points and the internet's paying attention to you but do all those people buy $60, $70 bottles of wines? No, but what do they buy, right? And so we're not also trying to cheapen our product, but we're trying to learn. And we do want to appease everyone, and we do want to release a lot of great wines. For sure. From, from different price points and different varietals. But we, we have times, I think, on our side, in the sense that we're not in a rush in any sense. We're really trying to live and learn what makes the most sense for this thing that we call children.
4: Constantly learning constantly learning
3: and who knows i mean maybe we will have a retail space one day maybe we'll have a in, maybe the potential will be in portland maybe it will be here maybe it'll be in phoenix maybe it'll be in cleveland we don't know but like i think we have the ability to build this thing out and I, I would like to think that there's some eyes on it there's some people asking some really interesting questions and i i think we're pretty excited for some things we might know that other people don't that are coming down the pipeline so we're excited yeah that was a good
1: hearing.
3: yeah like was... tell me about
1: balancing that with with Longolo and, and keeping them separate and yet giving them all, giving them both like the, the, the care and
2: attention that they need. For me, Longlo is always my baby. Long is my baby, so it's it's the first thing I think about when I get up. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, just because it's, it's, no, it's the heart you of If my... you did
4: not think about Longolo first, I would, there would be a problem.
2: But like, it's it, they're completely different, right? Longolo is a certain place, right? Chosen Family Wines is not a certain place. Longolo is here, it's in this tasting room, it's in that winery. Um, it's sold to our members, it's it's one exclusive place. Chosen Family Wines is, for me, a completely different business model, um, and it has the opportunity to be kind of multiple places. It can, be, it can be here, it can be Washington, it can be eventually Italy, it can be France, it can be, you can travel. Longolo can't travel out. Longolo will always be these 25 acres right here. So there will never be more than 20 acres of vineyard. 16 Pinot Noir, four Chardonnay that go into Longolo. So that is, Longolo's brand will always maintain Longolo. So it has its identity, and then Chosen Family has a completely different identity, completely different feel, branding. It's it's, uh, it's the same uh, industry, but it's a completely different business.
3: Yeah, Love I think they're it. very different, except that they, we work together in a sense, right? Like we bought, we work together and then thankfully they support each other in a, in a good sense. Like I don't, I think all the things that we've made and all, all the things that we've done outside of Longolo the brand have all came back to help Longlow the brand and then help the brands that we're creating outside of. So I think the ecosystem onto itself, but yeah, they're like when in the future we will tell how different they are, right? Like they're very different entities. Different thought process and different business models, but like yeah, to Chase's point, I mean, not only does he owns this place, he makes the wine. But like we've lived and breathed this every day, all day, for six years now, right? And that won't change. That's what we do. And I think chosen is something that just helped complement that. But we're also very hardworking, constant people. So I think it's been a lot of fun to help have this thing. I mean, it makes us sharper. It makes us better at our jobs. It brings new skill school new skills to the table, it also brings the media that we've gotten through Chosen is incredible, right? And I think that helps this. and I also think it puts eyes on Longo. So I think they're all, and people ask us that a lot, like, how do you balance that? But I mean, how do any entrepreneurs balance anything, right? It's like, where's your passions live? How much, like, if you're, I mean, for me, my, my wife would tell you, my phone, I'm never not working, right? But I love what I do, so I'm always trying to find a balance to it, but I think none of these things have, are, are sacrificing negatively because of each other. I think we wouldn't be doing this if Longlow wasn't in the right spot and our careers weren't in the right spot to explore something like this. I think our hard work has allowed us this opportunity and I, don't, I think we're smart enough to know that that has to be the truth. Yeah. You don't, you don't get into something like this to let other things fail, right? I'll tell
4: you this, again, w- Chosen is not selling gold, we're selling shovels and Longlow is the gold. And if he wasn't in deep in that mine we wouldn't be able to make, right? <laughs> deep, we would not be deep, able deep. to make, oh, he deep deep, right? <laughs> we wouldn't be able to make the delicious wine that we are And The more that Longolo has a identity, the more that Chosen can be separate from it and equally as good and equally as invested in, right? Because it is us. And then when Chase is down there by himself at all hours of night, fixing his wine, doing his thing, that's him and his representation. When we go to Chosen, he says, Channing and Jake and Bren, come on down here, we gotta do some. you know, he's like, hey, come on down here, we gotta pick some rosé. And we gotta go through, and we have to agree as a group of what's best for us. And that's what's awesome, and at the end of the day, they both got jobs right and i'm the majority owner so if they both say screw you channing i gotta be like i gotta take this on myself so <laughs> you know be careful i'm screwed yeah no 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 i mean it would never happen because i think we're all here for each other and Everyone that is the, is the biggest thing it, it for course. sure for sure and and that was i think for me the fact that we don't step on each other's toes and that i have to ask him for help to understand his portion of the job, or I have to ask Chase about what he's doing. How can we make this better? What do you want to work with? What excites you? Where can we take this? How can we challenge you? Is that communication comes, and that's what I hope to do with every other winemaker. How can we challenge what we're drinking right now? How can we challenge people who don't know Syrah? How can we challenge people who think champagne tastes the same, right? We've only drank Cooks and Veuve, you know? Cooks ain't champagne but I mean, Bubbles, yeah. well, to be honest, but well, people think everyone <laughs> thinks every bubble is champagne. Right, but that's what I'm saying. We got to introduce them to certain things, but we also have to gain their trust. And that is, I think, if anything is anything, we have to earn that trust, and we are constantly doing that every single day by putting in the work. If you don't put it in the work, then. Then nobody's going to trust us. If you have
3: aspirations to do, to build out business in your life, if you don't, if you, I, entrepreneur is an interesting word, but like if where we have Long Low and then there's something else we're doing, right? If those things aren't making you better, they're not making you a better business person for Long Low Estate, then I think you're missing the point, right? I think that if we're all smart enough to communicate and live and learn through these to make us better at everything that we do, I think then, then we're winning. And I think that's the goal. Like these things aren't taking from anything, they're adding to it. So I think, oh, sure, we can be more tired or we can be busier, but, like, we're busy doing the things that our dreams are made of, right?
2: But I think, to come back to this question originally, right, is the difference between Longolo and Chosen, where you separate, but I think, both being young brands, like Longolo being what, six years, I mean, six years of wine, 15 to 21 now, I've been here since 12, yeah. but, and then Chosen being, you know, six months. an infant, we still so they're young, one. But it's also like it's hard to delineate oh, necessarily right away just talking like this as opposed to oh, two years from now or one year from now when we have you know different wines coming on board then it's like oh yeah that's Longo is just a little like
3: The most complete right very now very is we haven't released a wine under Chosen family that isn't from Longo. Mm-hmm. So the narrative is... It's very confusing. infant brand so yeah it's very... Infant. And, and, and he knows this and we've spoken this out loud. Someone has asked this question when we did something else. When you're launching a new brand, you're gonna be busier than you've ever been. A startup business in any capacity, all hands on deck, let's go. We got a lot to do and figure out and vet through. So yeah, right now it's, you know, so there's an ebb and flow to all of it. But again, I just hope that if you were gonna take things on, they sharpen your tools, right? They just make you better at what you're doing.
4: I can't wait till we get to have dinners and, it's like my favorite time, right? Just the way we do things, it's like, especially- for the pool, I'm looking out at the- Ooh! The snow, I'm ready for the pool.
2: God, about pool season.
4: I'm pro- Listen, I was in Cleveland for three years. This ain't nothing. Mm. You would have snornadoes, snownados, right? My fingertips would turn red and blue. Glad we got a truck right. right yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I told the truck. It's probably moistureed up. but That's okay. Yeah, snow. Um, but no, I mean, it's just an amazing venture that is constantly evolving which keeps all of us on our toes and exciting and our ear to the ground of like not only what we can make and what our style is, but like the text conversations of, do we want to do a Barbaresco? What does that look like? Who do we want to talk to? Do we want to do a Napa cab? What does that look like? Who's somebody that we're interested? Do we want to do a Pinot and Chardonnay from uh, Paso Robles? Do we want to do a blend? These conversations are coming like this. But at the end of the day, it's all relationships. Because we could say, this person does it the best, but then they go, well, they suck. So, okay, who's, who's next? You know, like, who's, who else do we like? But we also, like, get to sit and break bread with each other. As, as you know, obviously as COVID helps us out, like, or doesn't help us out, but as COVID kind of goes up and down in safe space, it just so like, I think we become best friends, like, more than best friends, more than best friends. Anyone? And we've, yeah, because I feel like I never have to worry about you doing your job. Anyone. Right? In basketball, that's the only thing that messes up teams. It ruins the culture of a team is when you have to worry about is this guy going to do his job. The question isn't taken. Lou is the greatest coach I've ever played under and he told us one thing all the time. If you had an excuse for something. What was your job? Well, coach, I was supposed to run, but then he ran him. Did you do your job? No, coach, I did. Okay, well, that's why you're here next to me. That's why we lost. (laughs) Did you do your job? And at the end of the day, when you're emotionally invested in something, I say that a lot, when you're emotionally invested into this, and you're emotionally invested into the success and the quality of what we're doing, you're gonna do your job every day, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're like, ah, man, I'm so tired, or you're gonna do it because you wanna see the success. And I just realized it's only been four months. It felt like, I was like, you saw me, I go, January, okay, October, November, December, January. I felt like, man, what, what, it felt like two years. And we've only come out with two wines and this year we're coming out with uh two four six four four. (laughs) (laughs) well we have yeah we got something to work look at you know look i'm I'm gonna say four to four four ish four plus but dude it's like grow with us we're learning this all the time feedback is awesome right the the comment section the feedback the The stories, the pictures, the content is what we live for. Show us where you drink it. Show us how you drink it. Why'd you wait till, it was crazy, why'd you wait till Thanksgiving to show this? Was it the price? Was it because of you're from Cleveland? Do you like me and I remind you of the championship? Do you know Jake? Do you love Longlow? Like we wanna know these stories. We are very much a give and, give and take about where and why you love this wine so that we can provide you with just as good wine and different varietals for more amazing people. So when you come to dinner, they're going to they're gonna ask you to every dinner when COVID is over because you're going to have rosé bubbles, a couple pinots, a couple Chardonnays all over the country, maybe a Barbaresco, maybe a Piedmont, maybe a Nebbiolo. Um, I also Maybe a Barolo?
3: think the culture of wine shifting, right? If we're gonna go big picture real quick. I mean, you got an African-American seven-footer from Phoenix, Arizona, that's a wine brand owner in the Wayama Valley making really good wine. That's pretty good. It's 2021. There's a lot of shift going on, and a I lot think of pressure. the fact that, I mean, you should see some of the marketing or like media platforms that this brand has taken us. And so for wine to be spoken of and to be sought after and to be thought of and to be told stories about in different, Media platforms is incredible. So I think the ability for like what this is building towards, and we have something we're gonna. I can say this. I'm gonna say the One Barrel Challenge. We'll revisit this conversation, but this is something we've been working on behind the scenes. It's an initiative that we'll drop this year with some wine wineries in the Willamette Valley for a good cause. But there's just a lot of things that are happening, and I just think this time in wine, we're getting to be a part of this with them and to see a majority-owned black wine brand from the Valley and CJ doing his thing, and how, who's talking about it, who's thinking about it, who else is interested in it, what what you know like. Basketball magazines talking about wine, you know, movie magazines talking about wine, this thing talking about wine. Like, it's really cool, it's really interesting. I think it's really going to be really impactful. I think you're watching the the tipping point in a way, and I'm very happy. uh, Like, to my core, we built this in a different vibe, I'd like to think. And not to take from anyone else, just like what we set out to do, I'm very proud of. And I hope that some of these other things that we get to do and chosen specifically um, is going to be kind of a barrier entry in, in a way. So,
4: whenever I send people here, new people here. Like people would DM me, "Hey, I'm flying in. We have friends in Portland. Where should we go?" Whenever they leave here, they go, "Channing, that was the best vibe wine tasting. Everybody was nice. People were energetic. They were polite. The wine was obviously a one. The the view, everything. But the biggest thing that I hear, you know, whether it's vibe or energy or ambiance, is always." You guys are the best and I think that like, I had to come here, I had to obviously see it, I've been here tens of thousands of times, <laughs> right? Um, and times. that is, what, yeah, a few, a few. And that to me is something that I think I love being a part as chosen. If I were chosen, I'd love being a part of Longalow. Mm-hmm. Is that wh- whatever their vibe is, is our vibe. And I could say that to Hazel Fern, and I could say that to Granville, because I think Hazel Fern got the best, you know, Spotify playlist in the valley, but, <laughs> you may, but listen, they think we be jumping. And they make yeah. great wine, right? Mm-hmm. They have fun in there. It, wine is fun, it's not stuffy. It's for you to enjoy this with your family. You're taking time off. Everyone got to work. I always right, say, you, know, to you sacrifice
3: hospitality and a good time for a world-class practice. No. Just because we're growing, like, the one thing I ask is make the best wine. In the, world. the best wine in the world is G-Can year in and year out. And we'll try to take care of the rest, but we're going to do it in a way that hopefully makes people comfortable in learning and asking questions about that thing. Sometimes I think the stuffiness comes from a great product. They feel they have to serve it in a certain way. And it's not that you don't want to know wine and be able to speak to it, and you shouldn't know farming and you know all the things that come with clonage and soil science, and blah, blah, blah. But I think that there's just a human aspect. Of, like, How do you humanize wine? I get asked that a lot from people that aren't in the wine industry and friends that want to get into it, specifically athletes, a lot. they're just kind of like, well, if I have money and I buy great wines, so it's like, but how do I not seem like an asshole oh. because I have money and because I bought a great wine, like, how do you humanize it? Don't do
4: and that, big dog. A constant
3: journey, but I think it's one of the things we've, I've tried to focus on, is just making it very human. Mm-hmm. And like, just because you love it doesn't mean that you have to
4: act a certain way well
2: yeah and i think we have to there's a narrative change as we move generations in wine sales i mean you look at wine studies whether it's silicon valley bank or whoever talk about who's going to carry wine forward and how do we how do we build a bridge to that that generation to make them not look at it like their grandparents or their whatever mom's country club necessarily, that they go and drink that, but something that's an everyday thing that could fulfill all different types of lives and places and Absolutely. situations.
3: And we see it all. We try to. Our membership covers all of those kinds, but we do Ugh. see a bit of that 25.
4: Also, if, if you, let's say, let's say you drink a glass of wine a night. If you drink the same glass of wine for seven nights in a row, you're a psycho. There are too much. <laughs> you are a psycho. Yes, there are yes, too yes. much. So good. It's an honest truth. Who does it? Nobody. There are so many amazing people that maybe we haven't even heard of. Oh my god, yeah. Give them a chance. Let them tell you their story. People walk were NBA players, uh, movie producers, uh, a guy who worked at Whole Foods, probably in the meat <laughs> section, right? I <laughs> was in the wine section. The <laughs> All right, he was in mind. the wine section. He was probably chilling the wine, but no, I'm just, a jo- I'm just joking. But I'm, I'm like, dude, there are so many amazing stories. It's, it's addictive to learn about them almost more than it is the wine. They're amazing people that are on amazing plots of land and you know you want to get out your house at this point. It's January 26, 2021, you know damn well if you had an opportunity to sit here and have a glass of wine and look at this. Like, this is special, right? And we need to, people, yeah.
3: I mean, a lot of people get turned on in different ways, whether it's the wine store and there's a cool person there that, we hey, try this wine. Someone asked to sell someone something at some point to make them want to try something with their own money. But I think if you can get out into Mother Nature, it's closest, the wines always taste the best, the closest to the source you can get. If it's grown here, made here, and drank here, it's the best place to have it. So, and then thankfully a lot of wines, again, come from beautiful places. Get out, go explore, wherever you live. And funny enough, I think every state in the union has a winery somewhere now. Not that all of them should. But you know, tr- wine is, of course they should. But I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll yeah, say, really? no they shouldn't. But, uh, no they shouldn't. But, uh, no, they shouldn't. That I means the best place to go try wine is at a winery in a tasting room with people that love that place, and if the passion's there, hopefully that will fall into your DNA a little bit of like why people love this thing so much.
1: Okay, I got a question for you, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. I got one last question for the, for the group, but you mentioned a couple times the sort of the growth of the NBA wine culture, and I'm sort of curious about that from your perspective. It's something we've always heard about with the Trailblazers, we've heard about from other players on the league. Tell me about your perspective about NBA, NBA kind of embracing wine and wine culture, and what, what
4: how, how it seemed to you. The joking answer is we started that. <laughs> the serious answer is we started that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who's we? I mean the 2015-16 Cavs. I think people are into wine. And I think um, wine has the more that NBA players have gotten into tech companies, startups, business, when they go out to dinner, you're not getting a Jack and Coke, no offense to Jack Dinners, I think it's delicious. You know, you may get, you know, a martini on the rocks, whatever, a martini, you know, with some olives. But these guys are ordering big time wines. And all of a sudden, as big as you feel on a basketball court, When they start ordering things that you don't understand and using a language that you don't understand for a lot of guys, that makes them uncomfortable. And what do NBA players do? They go and research and whatever he just drank, he's getting 50 bottles of it and he's learning, he's flying there, we are medium, uneven in the head like that. And so that translated to All of a sudden, where you were the lowest educated person when it comes to wine at a dinner with a bunch of Fortune 500 guys, you go to dinner with your teammates, and you're like, I got you tonight. And you introduce them to that wine. Now they're like, I never heard of this. So now you're the big guy. And all of a sudden, that starts to build. So now, all of a sudden, guys' education about wines comes to, when they're on a plane, they're reading books about wine. Because now they're already in it. So now it has nothing to do with Anything else except for their own enlightenment and enjoyment and collection of something that may or may not be delicious. <laughs> but it's like this should be because I like this producer. So if you're
3: gonna spend a lot of money and you don't you can't read a wine list oh. fear your thought process. Oh. So if you have the building to travel a lot and you're in great restaurants, you're gonna want to learn that language. And I think that, that
4: think about Greg Popovich. Out. They ship in a wine list, excuse me, specifically for him. And he spends tens of thousands of dollars Curate. a night curating the experience for his teammates. Or teammates, God, he's, he's the, the coach. culture that His coaches. The but that all of a sudden it? that splinters off. So we would, you know, I'd bring a bottle, I'd bring a bottle of Long on a plane. Me and Kyle Corver would drink it. Everyone's like, Jay, what's up? We ain't got no wine for us? I said, listen, look, I don't know. Was it ever about like one up like one up and like I know this, like at the beginning? Yeah at the beginning. Look at at what I found. At the beginning, (laughs) but then what happened was I crushed that. Because I brought in Oregon Pinot's versus Burgundies. Now they're getting burgundies that aren't aged 30, 40, 50 years, right? 20 years. And I'm bringing in ready to drink Oregon Pinots, four or five years old. So I cheated a little bit, but I'm introducing them to things. Oh, I don't drink white wine. That, that's stupid. That's stupid. Let me show you a white wine you like. Oh crap, I love this white wine. Then I had a podcast. On a podcast, we'd always drink wine. Guess what, Channing, they sent me the list. No, 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 we need the concierge to go. I look up, go to this store, get A, B, C, D. We're gonna get these three, I know he likes these. So all of a sudden, to get back to the general about MBA wine thing, guys could drink a delicious bottle of wine and still perform the next day. Guys can read about wine, drink the wine, put the cork in it, put it in their handmade special cases, with their glasses and everything, wait till next day after a game and drink it again and taste. Write their notes down. It is something else that they are challenging themselves outside of basketball to be elite at. They start collecting my cards. I went to Bordeaux for the first time uh, two years ago, two summers ago. And I had an opportunity to go to Petrus. And the son, who was the winemaker at Petrus, was like, oh, Jimmy Butler just got here. He was like, yeah, he's, he was here like a couple days ago. And I was like, what? And all of a sudden, it starts getting out that Jimmy Butler is a big time wine guy. Same with Mellow, same with Bronze, same with Paul. You know, D. Wade obviously has his own wine. And so for me, I go, hey, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. And I thought Petrus was the greatest wine I've ever had in my life, but that's no, neither here nor there. But we're always challenging ourselves to learn more, be better, and something is awesome and has so many variables, like wine, is like, I don't want to say, gets us going. If you like it, you're going to love it. You're Right? If you don't like it, you'll probably still drink it because it's delicious. Yeah, and then I think, if you're around these guys enough, not like,
3: their bodies is their business, right? So it's like, if you're not a wine guy, but yet you, if you played in an NBA game, these guys stay up really late at night because you can imagine that adrenaline dump, dump travel, all the things. So, drinking a little, something to relax your mind and body is a part of the process. Whether that's none of my business, but I'm just going to say that's the truth. But Red Bull vodkas don't feel as good in the morning. Jack and Coke's don't feel as good in the morning. So, as you age, as you have more dinners, as to him, the business acumen of conversation, but then you still have to perform the next day, not only are you going to have a great bottle of wine or two, a better conversation, a better meal, and you're gonna feel way better in the morning. So I, think, I would like to think that that played a big part of like, yo, we can do this, and this happens, and I'm gonna go win an NBA championship, and I had a bottle of wine the night before. Like, it didn't affect the things that you're so conscious about. And I think partying and drinking, at some point, as I like to say, when we got in our 30s, our dinner table became our nightclub. We didn't go out as much, and I can't speak for Channing or the NBA. but. I just slowed down a little bit, and I think wine helps that. It, it helps the, like, I want to feel a little better, and there's a great conversation and learning process.
4: And also the coaches didn't really get too upset if you shared. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Because the coaches are ex-players, so they're like, oh, it's just about, like, and in all seriousness, an NBA player could drink a lot of wine. Work out in the morning, take a nap, and be ready to go. You drink some other stuff. Either you're getting super fat, right, because of the carbs and, you know, that kind of messes you up, or other stuff got you where you can't even lift your head up to wake up, you're passed out. So if you're drinking good wine, if you're really into it, max, max two bottles which are shared. Right? So, And you're going to bed, and you're coherent you know like it's it, it's a a weird marriage
3: but that you think that was a part of it blowing up a little more though was that
4: understanding oh for sure yeah. because a guy would bring on a nice bottle and coach would say hey man let me get a sip of that he goes i like this year i remember i went there Yeah, they're not coming to take shop. george carl um <laughs> george carl obviously pop mike brown all these guys owned Vineyards out here, Rex Hill, all this stuff. So all of a sudden they're gonna tell us we're not allowed to drink wine? When you're literally a, a wine owner. Let me get a sip of what you make. making. Pop wrote Channing, or Ch- Chosen wine Wines,
3: Channing a nice email about getting in the business and we sent him a bottle and he drank him. And for me, which what it was written to him was really cool. Uh, this is he, the best. He's the godfather He
4: is by far the godfather. By far, not even close. Uh, he got a frame for Christmas, it was awesome, I mean. <laughs> I appreciate it, because at the end of the day, of the the wine he did not have to do that. And I can imagine, think about all the people that have Same. tried to get in the wine industry. He did not have to do that. Like we've had conversations, he gave me a huge hug when I retired. Um, I've, always looked for, I've always wanted to play for them. You know, obviously business didn't work out. Um, but the wine industry, what he's done, it set the precedent for that, and the, the quality of stuff, because I've had people who have coached for him, played for him, And the wines that he's bringing out are like this guy's specific library, this, he will give it to you, he's going to bring it here, and just that enthusiasm, legend, is is unmatched and will never be matched no matter how much guys are into it because he's been doing this for 50 years. He's top five in
3: the world of someone
4: to sit and have dinner and drink. What? Oh. I hope you make that happen for us too. I would say top three. He gets to order the wines too. <laughs> yeah, 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 listen, look, not on my bill. Usually we get the wine list. Yeah, yeah, that's on Spurs' bill. Listen, look, <laughs> what's the up? Deal? All them times well, they well, beat us. Bad, look.
1: So last question for you guys. What's next for Longolo? What's next for Chosen Family? Talk a little bit about the future. Ooh, right? I'll let you what's the next this. step?
2: Longolo is just uh, kind of staying the course, obviously, okay. pandemic-wise, hoping we can open back up and hoping we can, you know, host guests and host people traveling in and tourism and all that start traveling in, back traveling to different markets and you know restaurants i mean they've been hit the hardest so it's obviously hopefully getting some supporting those restaurants and also you know getting people back to restaurants drinking wine and that helps both of our uh, businesses so i think that and then just you know harvest always is always bottling it's either bottling or harvest always on the horizon so bottling and then, you know, a growing season about to start. So, um, I mean, Longlow will continue here to farm this 20 acres and take the wine from here and turn it, take the grapes from here and turn it into wine and uh, share it with uh, as many people as we possibly can.
3: Yeah, there's Um, nothing like human energy. So being in the hospitality business and not getting to see people from all over the world having the time of their lives in front of you and you getting to share those small moments and those i've always said like the conversations i've gotten to have in this one, gotten gotten to have in this building day in and day out i mean are incredible right and then you're getting to do it over something that you're stoked about and you're passionate about and that you're sharing with them but i mean the industry i think is in a great place as far as is as long as we can get out of this pandemic it's been a really tricky interesting time obviously we've learned from it and tried to be as lean and, and Smart as we can be, and uh, I think there's always ways to take your little pie chart and get better in certain areas. Um, but I like to say, sustain and gain, right? Like, how do we keep what we're doing, the core of it, and then how do we get even better? So, I think we're just kind of focused on staying the course in a good way, like always progressing, always learning from what we're doing, and just getting better at what we do. And I just can't wait to see these doors open and people inside and outside. And we have adapted an appointment only thing, which I think we might do forever. just what you see in the customer service, like. Not even the customer service, but what you get back from customers in the ability to kind of host in that capacity. It's been really interesting. So we've learned a lot, so I'm excited for that. We have some ideas of how to kind of grow this place without growing it from a production level of being able to see people and, and you know, focus on our hospitality and make sure we're delivering incredible experience to people. Um, and then ch- Chosen, I mean, frankly, we're just getting started. I think we have a uh, the world's our oyster, you know. Um, we have we no rules. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got, well, got to stay the course, make some smart decisions, but also just keep the passion at the forefront of like, hopefully getting to collaborate with people we highly respect and deliver incredible wines to people who ever follow us, right? So a new set of eyes, new set of ears, trying to just kind of always broaden the horizons for the wine industry as a whole, not taking that on, but hopefully that we're just a part of that. Um, and I'm just stoked, man. I'm happy to be sitting in this chair surrounded by these guys living in Oregon and going about our business. It's a really cool time to, to be here and be a part of this industry and getting to kind of like pursue the dreams that uh, we think up of and uh, implement at the end of the day. So, yeah, I'm a happy fellow. I'm excited for what's next. What are you excited for in the future, Jay?
4: I'm excited that I have an idea about what it is, but that's it. Um, I'm excited obviously working with them uh, that if I don't know something, I know one of these three do, which is very comforting. Um, But I'm also excited that like, it's been four months and we've, we're now in a bunch of different conversations about what's next. And those conversations are without actually physically going somewhere is amazing in our, in my, in our industry, right? And I'm going to say our industry because I feel like we're creating a new industry. Um, I feel like we are doing something right, that people are taking notice that we're doing quality wine with quality people and we're doing it the right way and we're not trying to sell a thousand bottles in a day. We're trying to make sure that people are showcased and winemakers are showcased and that they are, you know, better or worse term, loved on. And like, it's not us. We are nothing without somebody who inspired us, especially when it comes to the variety, right? And I think, you know, Chase has been amazing to work with so far and allowing us to like learn from him and what gets him excited and what is gonna challenge him and uh, how we can do something different than what he, days on, what he does on his day to day. Um, and for me, it's just like I have to fend off people from trying to be involved. Everyone loves this. I, I think they love it, but they don't know how much work it is. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? They love it. They love the idea of it. But for me, I love that like, people are excited about it. When we're starting to see people two, three, four times order the wine, that is more important than you ordering it once. You love it? Oh, two times. Then you start seeing people send it to their friends, send it to their mothers. This is, holy crap, this is good. What'd you think, buddy? I Wasn't gonna waste my time on no BS. So that's what's exciting. To continually keep that high level amazing wine, even if the price isn't what it is, we're gonna make high quality wine for you, for the, for the consumer, for the chosen family customer. Um, and just come on this ride with us. That's what I'm excited about. We're just learning. This is
3: what's exciting. Hearing this guy say that stuff, having this guy in this industry, and, and caring about it this much, and kind of wanting to be a part of it from A to Z, and then being a megaphone for it, and wanting to share it with his friends that want to share it with the world. We're in good hands, man, I'm, I'm excited watching him be excited. It's really cool. Well, excellent. Well, thank you all
1: so much for your honor, right. <laughs> your stories. A pretty awesome
4: spot and a
0: nice
1: day to watch the snow fall. Oh, yeah. So thank you yeah. for your time, and we'll let you
4: with right.
0: so, it. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. Special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students, who have assisted on our oral history interviews.